never go back, that we never stay stagnant, but God, that we continue just know and grow in you every single day, Jesus. That our relationship, that our roots go deeper, Jesus, every single day. God, you said you put us here that we would be bear fruit. Lord, you put us here that we would bear fruit. And that we would reach people, Jesus. Glory, Jesus.
is honoring what is taking place here. God said he is honoring what is taking place in his house. He sees the heart. He hears the cry. And I just keep hearing greater things have yet to come. You have not yet seen. You have not yet heard. But greater things are coming. And today is the day that it begins. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ. Call the Jesse. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand it. What a powerful What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is, nothing can stand what a powerful salvation of men that Christ has come to save each and every one. Let's just shout that name out, Jesus. Jesus. Shout it out, Jesus. Come on, make every devil flee. Every Flee this place right now. Jesus, we welcome you in this place. We welcome you in this place. Fill this house with your presence. Holy Spirit, move in this house. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. You could be seated as we dismiss our uh, kids to their uh, three, four, five to their class. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Amen, amen. Today is Communion Sunday. Um, oh. Amen. Um, as I was just uh, praying about what to share on Communion Sunday, uh, God just laid on my heart this message called Fresh Start. How many of you know sometimes in life we need a reset? Right? You need a reset. How many of you have ever had a, such a bad day that you said, I just need to go to sleep and start over again in the morning? Right? Things happen in life. And so uh, this is where the, the title came, came from, is a fresh start. That God, again, his, his, his word says, his mercies are new every morning. Why would his mercies need to be new every morning? Because we need his mercies every morning. Amen. So let's just take out your notes. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can actually uh, open it up. I'm going to go to a verse in Hebrews chapter 11. That's not on your uh, uh, notes right now. Um, uh, but let's just begin in prayer. Father, I just come to you right now. Father, we just thank, are so thankful for all that you've ever done for us, Father God, all the miracles and things we've seen throughout our lifetime. We thank you for our salvation, Father. And Father, as we get ready to study your word right now, I just pray that every blind eye would be open to the spiritual truths of your word, Father. Father, I just pray that every deaf ear be open to the spiritual truths of your word. I pray that every mind can comprehend and see, Father God, the spiritual truths of your word. I just pray right now that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better, Father. And Father, most of all, prepare our hearts, soften our hearts to receive your word this morning. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says... Amen. Amen. So, like I was saying, this message is entitled Fresh Start. And as I was uh, thinking about communion, uh, praying about uh, what to speak on for communion, it went back to about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, Brother Jerry had made a statement, and uh, which he had told me, he said, Somebody had said that he was a prosperity preacher, and that never left me. And I started thinking about that, a prosperity preacher. And I started thinking about, I know what the world thinks prosperity preachers are, but in the reality, isn't the gospel prosperity for your life? When you think about it, if... if and so here I want to say I'm a, I realize that I am a prosperity preacher because I'm preaching to you to keep you from going to hell to spend eternity in heaven, right? So uh, let's think of that word. And I wrote the definition. I'll just share it with you. But prosperity comes from the word prosper, okay? That's the root word of it. And, and those two words basically mean this, to flourish, to make steady progress, the condition of being successful or thriving. So think about that. To flourish, to make steady progress, the condition of being successful or thriving. Okay, so when you think about all these things, what is the gospel? The gospel is translated, what kind of news? Good news. How many of you have ever had bad news? 
How many of you have had good news? How many of you rather good news? Right? Good news is usually what? That something went wrong? No, it's, it's actually that something's it's good news is better. In other words, I'm telling you this good news and it's going to be better than where you were. So in other words, good news actually is prospering. Right? Think about that. So, so w- when you think about the gospel, realizing that God's mercy and grace exist, God's mercy is that he doesn't give us the punishment and the things we deserve. He has mercy on us what we deserve debt for our sins and separation from him he doesn't give us that that's his mercy but his grace gives us what we don't deserve we didn't we didn't deserve his son dying on the cross we don't deserve to be in his presence forever as a sinful person so when you're thinking about the gospel what did you give up eternity in hell separation from god And what do you gain? Eternity in heaven and presence with God. Now, if that isn't prosperity to you, me, the gospel is prosperity. It is your life would have been so much worse, but now it's going to be so much better. And again, we know where things get out of context and things get so far shifted in one or the other direction. And, you know... uh, we need, what I always try, say I try and do is to preach you the whole gospel of Christ. Not just, where people run into trouble is when they focus on one part of the gospel, and that's it. Now, there is prosperity. God wants you, the Bible says God wants you blessed so you can bless other people. You can never fulfill that purpose on your life if he, does, if he doesn't bless you. Remember, even in our uh, scripture in the beginning, it says, Riches and honor come from him to you. And when you start thinking about all these things that God wants you to prosper, God doesn't want you going back. God doesn't want you suffering. God doesn't want you going through all that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And what I want you to understand is that the gospel is good news. And, and we, we, again... Let me get back to where people go overboard. When you focus only on money. See, the Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, let's break that down. Did it say the money is evil? What did it say? The love of money is evil. In other words, when money becomes your God, it becomes evil. When all you're living for is money, then it becomes evil. It never says that God doesn't want you to have it. Because if you don't have it, you won't exist. Can, can I help a missionary that's, that's struggling in something and give him financial aid so he could reach a nation if I don't have money? No. So I can't, I can't fulfill the things I, have, I need to in life without that. But then there's the other side of it. So again, people get so focused and that's all they focus on. And that's where usually that term prosperity uh, ministers come from but r- reality is the gospel that is part of it god wants you to be financially blessed god wants you to be fina- uh, uh, healthy in your body god wants you all these things for you but you can't just focus on that and on the other side of the spectrum is those that are, are always condemning criticizing and judging 
right? It's like th their ministry is to criticize, condemn other Christians. You want me to tell you whose job that is? I know the Bible says your accuser, the devil, goes around accusing the brethren. And I see a lot of people that that's their, that, that it's almost as their, that you never hear nothing positive coming out of them. It's always tearing down other believers. And I think even in, in ministers and pastors, there's that jealousy that some of them have today. Just because a church has got more people than his church, then they must be doing something wrong. Right? The only way they could have more people is if they're doing the false gospel. See, sometimes when people get so judgmental, and I'm not even, I don't know why we're here. <laughs> people get so judgmental is then they start not realizing how much mercy and grace they have in, on their life. Because they start believing in themselves that because if you could only be like me, and don't do these things. If you could only be like me and do these things. See, I deserve heaven a little bit more than you. But yet my Bible tells me the most righteous of a man is as a filthy rag in the eyes of the Lord. So if you're not careful when you're on that end of the spectrum, you start thinking you deserve it a little bit more than the other. That doesn't mean God doesn't want you. God does want you living right and doing things right. But sometimes some people's hearts, when you're too far extreme on that side, it's that's why Jesus says, you know, uh, why you look at the, uh, the, the speck of dust in your brother's eye, but there's a plank in yours. Right. Again, let's go. Let's get going. <coughs> I already know I'm not going to finish this message this week because I didn't put all my notes. Um, so I'm not sure if I'll title it the same next week, but it's, it's from these notes uh, that I'm going to be going to. But prospering, God wants good news. Now, let's look at this verse that it, we use a lot of times and in, in, um, ministers use in, at funerals and things. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. It'll be up on the screen. It says, if only for this life, we have hope in Christ. We uh, are, of mo are of all people most pitied. And we always use it with, in the way it's written that when a person passes away, that if their hope in Christ ended then, what good was it? And, and it's, it tells us that our hope is not in this world only. So look at this. And, and the, but this is where we sometimes miss and people sometimes miss. If only, circle that word only. If only for this life our hope was in Christ. Does it telling, is it telling you that you don't have a hope of Christ in this life? It's only for afterlife? No. He's telling us we have hope in Christ for where we live now and in the future. That it doesn't end when this life ends. So if I have hope in Christ in this world, don't I have Don't it give me a hope to prosper and go on? Think about that. If our hope is only for the life after, it doesn't do us so good. But our hope isn't only for there. It's for the here and now. 
Now, if you don't believe that, let me ask you this. Show of hands, do you believe the Bible tells us we should pray in this life? Raise your hand. Is the prayer that you pray to prosper you or to harm you? God's saying, call out to me. And in the New Testament, it's almost 30 times the, the scriptures say, ask God for something. Ask God to help you. And it, how many of you know, nobody ever prays, Lord, I feel so great. Please make me a little sicker. No, what are we praying for? That we feel better. We're praying to prosper that the state I'm in now, I'm lifting up a prayer to be advanced, to be prospered in that way. Let's go quickly to John 10.10. 10. Well, no, let, let me go back, uh, which is not on your paper. Hebrews 11.6 says this. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone, this, this is up on the screen, because anyone who comes to him, there are two things it says you need to do. I must believe that he exists. And what's that next word? Come on, y'all got been through English class. A-N-D means and. It's a conjunction. It means combined with something. It says, must believe uh, that, that he exists and that he what? Those who earnestly seek him. How many of you have ever got a reward and said, oh, this is such a horrible thing? A reward is a good thing. Notice what it says, that if you have faith in him, believe he exists, you also, he also wants you to believe that he will reward you. Now, this is where it gets tricky again. For those who earnestly seek what? See, too many people seek the reward. Seek the blessing instead of seeking him. Can I tell you something? When you're walking where he is, the blessing is already there. He rewards those who honestly seek him. And a reward would be something better than what we have. And, not, and again, not only that scripture before, not only in this, uh, not only in the life to come, but in this world also, that God will reward. Okay, now let's look at another scripture, John 10.10. 10. This is on your paper. Notice what it says. The thief comes only to do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. In other words, the thief comes to restrict or to remove or to take away from. Then Jesus says, I have come that you may have what? Life and life to the full or to the overflow or to the max. So do we see the enemy comes to, instead of being prosperous, he wants you impoverished. He wants to, the enemy's job is to take away and make sure you have lack. Jesus says, I've come so that you don't have life. I've come that you have life. Okay?
Let's look what Jesus says. He's, he's reading from the scripture of Isaiah in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 21. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's, he's reading where uh, Isaiah had prophesied about him. He says, because he has anointed me to proclaim what? What kind of news? Good news. Good news takes me from here to a better place. Right? Not from here. Good news. Bad news takes me there. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy comes to remove and take away and have me in lack. God comes. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. So he says, I bring good news. He says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Let's, let's ask this question. If you're a prisoner and you're set free, do you prosper or regret? So in other words, I've come to prosper these people. You catching what I'm saying? Again, don't get caught up in the money side. That is, uh, you know, send me $10,000 and... Uh, I'll name uh, a pumpkin after you for Halloween. Who knows what? I don't know what. <laughs> they, they do have those. Okay? Be careful. Anything man has his hand in, he'll mess up. There's going to be some that will take it to the excess. And, right? right? Um, and if you're a used car salesman, please don't get upset. But it's like the old saying, it's hard to find a used, honest used car salesman. Right? It's hard to find if you're a lawyer. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's just things. It's, it's about as crooked as a lawyer, you know, these type things. So we know when man gets in, it becomes the love of money, which brings the corruption. Okay? So uh, it, prosper, prospering is not bad. He says this. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of the sight to the blind, speaking naturally and uh, spiritually. How many of you would say, if you're blind and now you can see, you've prospered? So isn't the gospel that he's coming to do it to prosper you and not send you back, backwards? The enemy comes to do that. He has come to set the oppressed free. Those that are, are unburdened, set them free. How many of you know... Freedom is better than in prison. Freedom is better than in chains. Right? It's prospering. He says to proclaim the year of the Lord's, what? Favor. How many of you know that if you have favor with someone, it is in a prosperous way? It's not a negative way. So Jesus says, this is what was prophesied about me. This is what I've come to do. I don't see anything in there that says I've come to set you back and make you struggle. Because that will make you more holy. Then he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Go to the next verse. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back uh, to the attendant, sat down. Uh, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him, and he makes this statement. He began by saying to them, today, from that day forward, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, he says, from where you were before I spoke, and what's going to happen now, you're going to be set free, your eyes are going to be open, it's a prosperous gospel. (coughs) 
Notice Mark 8.36. It says this, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? This is Jesus speaking. What is it? What good is it to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul? Does, is he saying that if you gain stuff in the world, you will forfeit your soul? No. In other words, he's saying that if that is your love and your passion for the things of the world, that you're not honor, earnestly seeking my father and things, he said you can lose your soul. If, you're, if the, like the love of money, the love of earthly possessions, the love of all kind of things, Anything that comes before God. Right? Now, but if, if I do look at this, he says, what good is it to gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? Go to the next verse. And, and the Lord, no, I'm, I might not put it all, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't put it in there. What good is it for the man to forfeit their whole soul and forfeit your soul? In other words, he's saying, the value of everything in this world doesn't compare to the value of what I'm going to give you. You, you. you hear this? He's telling them a very prosperous gospel that, that what this world can offer you doesn't even compare to what I want to give you. That actually just the things, that if you had everything in this world, you would have less than if you'd be serving God and following in other words, I want to give you something worth more. I want to give you something that is more valuable than you could get here. How many of you know that's prosperous? Okay. <clears throat> so let's go back. Again, as we're talking about, we're going, I, I love the book of Genesis. I love the beginning. I always love studying uh, in the beginning. And that's why we're going back to the beginning here. To original creation. When God created the garden, when God created Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden, it showed his original intent of what he wanted for man. His heart's desire was expressed in his creation. Okay? His heart's desire, he created what he wanted to see and how he wanted it to be. So this is what God had wanted. We understand God made man in his image. He created man in perfect innocence and placed him in a perfect environment. Adam was given dominion over the Lord's entire creation and he was presented with the perfect companion, a woman called Eve. They lived in idyllic existence, free from pain, free from disease, free from debt, and free from sorrow and every other thing. Everything they needed was provided for them. That's God's desire for people. As I was reading, reading that and going over my notes this morning, I started thinking about it. I had to laugh at myself because, you know, for you, you don't age, you don't get old, and like I always joke about these. You know, I didn't used to use these, but now I'm blind as a bat without these. Uh, well, not to see far, but to see close. And 
This morning I get up and I make my coffee and I saw there's a, one, a little gnat dead and floating in the top of the coffee. But we, we got like our, we make the coffee the night before on a timer where it goes off and then there's a little fluorescent light under the thing so the light stays on. If there's ever a gnat that gets inside the house, guess where they go? To that light at night and sometimes they'll die and if it falls in the cup. And so I'm taking my spoon and I'm trying to catch this gnat. Because uh, I'm not throwing away a cup of coffee over a gnat. <laughs> if I can't catch them, it's going to be like a marshmallow and a hot chocolate. That's all it's going to be. And I'm going and I'm trying to get this thing out of there. Then I finally pull out my glasses and say, but I can't, I'm going to catch it. When I put it on, I realize it's a bubble. I'd have been scooping for that night all, all day long if I wouldn't have put these on. <laughs> hey, boy, I had another senior moment this week. Where was I going? I was going to Rouse's in Lockport. And I'm going, I'm driving, I had the radio on, so I, I, I finally moved my hand down and I noticed my blinker's on. And I started, I never heard it kicking because of the radio. And in my mind, I went through, oh my God, have I turned into one of those people that drive with the <laughs> blinker on and it never goes, do I need to move to Florida right now, you know, and drive with my blinker on and never turn it off? <laughs> it's like, oh no, it's happening. <laughs> so, 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 that's, this is what I'm struggling with now is all the result of the fall of man. We, we, we're not that way anymore, but that's how God originally wanted us to be. And guess what? God's not satisfied with us the way we are. See, he was willing to give man a fresh start. In other words, you've, guys, you've messed it up, but I'm willing, I don't want it to be that way. I want to give you a fresh start. And notice, notice what happens here. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and take care of it. Notice what, what, happened, what it says here, to work and take care of it. How many of you know that God has a purpose for each and everyone's life? And we see that there. God didn't just create Adam to stare at the trees. He had purpose. Everyone has purpose, and, and I don't have time to get into that, but let, let's continue here. Verse 16, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, I want you to understand that all the trees in the garden, it talks about that they were beautiful. It wasn't just the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was, oh, it's so much beautiful than anything else. That's why they went to it. It says that he created the garden and filled it with all kinds of trees that were pleasing to the eye. Okay? So God had spoke to them, don't touch of this fruit, because if you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become accountable to it. And he said, so in an instant, we all know they, they sinned. In an instant, everything changed. They no longer were innocent and pure, but they became sinners and had become fallen beings. And I don't know if you realize this, 
But from the very beginning, God already had a plan. You know, a lot of people think that the gospel, the good news, was, is started in the New Testament. But it actually, back in Genesis, I want to show you here, is where God unveiled the first good news of what was going to happen. Now, no, notice what it goes on to say. Genesis 3, 7. Then their, both their eyes became what? When they sinned, both their eyes opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And I, I mentioned this a long time ago, that their eyes became open and they became ashamed because they were naked. And how many of you know, even today, when a newborn baby is born, the innocence out of that creation that God has made do you know that when, they, when that baby shows up in the uh, delivery room, the doctors and nurses don't go, oh, put some clothes on that thing. <laughs> no one mentions about his, their nakedness because of the innocence. And all they see is, wow, a new life. But when sin entered, they, they realized they were naked and it brought shame. It brought all kinds of things that God never intended for people to have. So he says, they sold fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the garden. Now notice, notice this. Here comes the fresh start. The, but the Lord God called the man and said, where are you? Notice God approached and was calling for them. Now, was he coming to pronounce eternal judgment on them? No. He was coming to actually, that they, they didn't realize it, Satan didn't realize it, but he was actually coming to present the first good news of the gospel, that he was going to give them a fresh start. And notice how this happens, and, and we'll tie in the different things here. The Lord, the Lord God called, where are you? How many of you, I want you to take this scripture, Revelation 3.20, thinking about God calling out, and Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in and eat with that person and they will be like me. But I, do you see where it's God that basically stood and was saying, calling out, Adam, please answer me. I know you're hiding behind the tree. I know where you are. I know what you did. But he comes down and he says, you know what? I, I, I don't want you to stay in this condition. So God comes down and he calls out to him. Then notice what it says in uh, verse 10. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now think about this. God says, I, I know this, but have you eaten from the tree I told you not to eat of? Because God was wondering, did he? Because God really didn't know. Right? Or you think God knew? 
I know God knew. But what is he trying to get from Adam? A confession. An admittance of, I have failed you. He is trying to get Adam to say, yes, Lord, I did it. Now look at what it says in 1 John. And I'm, I'm tying in the, the present gospel to back there. If we claim to be without sin, 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, Adam, did you do it? He's going for a confession. He's wanting Adam to say yes. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Then verse 12. This is where... This, his confession wasn't the greatest. But his confession kind of comes up with the messed up world we live in today. See, because when God originally created them, they lived in peace and there was order to everything. When Satan came in and they sinned, shame showed up, disorder, chaos showed up. And isn't this the world today? The fallen state of the world today. The man said, the woman you put here with me. So I know I, know I did it, but it's really kind of your fault. That woman you gave me. me. Me and Darren got a standing joke with that. We always joke about Christy and, and my wife Susanna. Oh, it's that woman God gave us. <laughs> you know? He says, the woman you gave, gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I, I ate it. Now he's confessing he ate it, but he's kind of saying, but it, 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 you wouldn't have put her here. And if she wouldn't have offered. So really... It's y'all two, y'all hold two-thirds of the blame, and I got one-third. <laughs> so what does God do? God, God says, okay, you admit that you did. There's your confession. What does God do next? Then the Lord said to the woman, here we go again, what is this you've done? What is he doing now? Trying to get a confession out of Eve. You see, he's trying to get them to admit they have sinned. As we read, if you, if you don't believe you, you sin, there's no truth in you. The woman said, here we go, the serpent deceived me, but I ate. Notice they wanted to blame everything else, but they did say, but I did do it. It wasn't my fault, but I did do it. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> Said those say, now watch when he goes to Satan. He does not ask Satan what you've done. Notice what, how he changes. He's not trying to get a confession out of Satan. He says, so the Lord God said, said to the serpent, because you have done this. Hello? Oh, no. <laughs> I thought that was Darren calling me to tell me I better hurry up or I'm going to run out of CD again. <laughs> but he says this, 
he tells the serpent what you have done, and he begins to pronounce judgment on him or consequences of what he's done. He's never asked him, did you do it or not? See, there was no confession for him. See, because there's, there's no salvation for him. There's salvation for mankind, got, got human beings in this. And it says this. He, tell, he tells him, cursed are you above all the livestock and the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. And then notice what he says. Here's another glimpse into the gospel. And I will put enmity between you and, uh, you and the woman. Enmity means a mutual dislike uh, uh, thing. There are hatred thing. And, and it says this. And, and uh, between your offspring and hers. Now, this is what we're going to get into next week. That word offspring actually translates from the Greek word as seed. Something that is planted. Now let me, let's read the next verse and I'll come back to that in a second. He says, her offspring or her seed will crush Satan's head and yours, you will strike his heel." In other words, God was saying, you're going to have him on the cross, but it's not going to kill him. It's going to be a hurtful thing, but he's going to be raised from the dead. But her seed will crush your head. Means giving a death blow to death. Now, this we'll get into this more next week. The word seed Let's have sex education. Close your ears if you're young. The woman provides the egg, and the male provides the seed. But yet, he says, her seed. He's all, already presenting the virgin birth of Jesus. Her seed. Then say, because the seed comes from the man. Okay, let's go. <laughs> we'll talk about that more next week. That'll whet your appetite for next week. Because God was already saying how he was going to restart and give a fresh start for man. And... I'm not going to read what, what he pronounced on all of them uh, of Genesis 3, 16 through 20. I will just show verse 20. Put verse 20 up there. After, after uh, he tells the woman, because there's consequences for what you've done. He says, you know, you're going to have great pain and labor and all this. And then he tells Adam, because of what you've done now, you, it's going to be thorns and thistles. It's not going to be easy like I wanted it to be or planned it to be. But... I want to show you the fate that Adam had in verse 20. Adam named his wife Eve. And notice what it says, because she would become the mother of all living things. Eve means living, that she would become. So I don't know what he was calling her before. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> You'd always get it right because there was one, only one other you besides you. 
But he has faith knowing that God wasn't going to destroy them that day. That he calls his wife the mother of all the living. He knew it wasn't ending then. And then it goes on to uh, verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve. And his wife clothed them. And uh, for him and his wife, and he, he clothed them. Now think about this. Where, what were they wearing? They were naked and they took fig leaves. But God said, that doesn't work. So what did God do? He set the example that we see throughout the whole Old Testament church of animal sacrifices for sin until the true Lamb of God could be sacrificed. And God actually performed the first animal sacrifice to get the skin to cover them. You getting this? What they thought was good enough, what they could do in themselves, grab the fig leaves, wasn't good. God says, there's debt that needs to be paid for sin. The wages of sin is debt. So the very first sacrifice was God sacrificing two of his creations or whatever to make the skin for them. He was already set, setting the example for the future that the Lamb of God will come and be sacrificed for the forgiveness of your sins. So even back as far as Genesis 3, God began showing us his plan that we could have a fresh start. It's never was God's plan for man to live separated. It's never God's desire. The Bible says that it's his will that everyone should come to repentance and serve him. And if, if anything I told you here today, I want you to get, is that we're better off with God than without God. So the gospel in itself is prosperous. Prosperity for us. It is, we prosper. We are better off with them than without them. Amen. So we're getting ready to receive communion today. And if you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, uh, I want to give you that opportunity. You don't have to be a member here to receive communion. Uh, it's not about a church thing. But the very emblems that, that we use for communion is the wine that represents, or the wine is grape juice. Uh, represents Jesus' blood that was shed for you to sacrifice. The, the bread is, represents his body that was nailed to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That sacrifice that God gave. And all we ask is that you be born again. Because you're coming up and having example in the natural of what spiritually should have taken place in your life, that you've already received him as your personal Savior. So let's stand to our feet as our uh, helpers come up and take their positions for our communion. If you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, and that just simply means that, you know what? God is asking for that confession. Do you realize you messed up? That's what he's saying. Do you realize you need a helper? Do you realize, and we all do, that's why his mercies are new every day. God never intended you to live a life apart from him. God never intended for you to have a struggling life. God's intent for you is to flourish. And if you don't think that it's for this world, uh, 
last two weeks I had been talking about David and the giants thing. If you, God doesn't want you to prosper in this world, how come he took a shepherd and made him a king? Answer me, is that prosperity? A shepherd watching sheep and goats at night to becoming the king is for this life too. It's for where we are here. So if you would, just bow your head and invite the Lord in, into your life right now. Just say, everyone, just say this simple prayer. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I fall short in many areas of my life. But I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I receive that gift and invite Christ into my heart to be Lord and Savior of my life from this day forward. Amen. So if you would, just come down the center aisle and each aisle and hold on to the emblems till everyone receives them, and then we'll take them at the end together.
I don't deserve has broken every chain my sins are gone my debt has been paid because he gave his life away for you that's the greatest prosperity news you could ever hear so father we just come to you right now father we thank you that you sent your son to pay such a heavy price for each and every one of us he gave his life away so that our chains could be broken. He gave his life away so our sins could be forgiven. He gave his life away so that we could start afresh with a fresh new start. You made a way, Father, where there could be no way. You made a way where it was impossible for man. But through Christ, we receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, you may receive the emblem. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. We love all of you. What I want to encourage you is if you can make it out to prayer this week, 7 o'clock Wednesday night, please come on out. If not, we'll see you Sunday morning. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Remember, if you want a copy of this morning's uh, message, just go to the back. They'll make you one.